Good morning, it's time to get your coffee brewing for this week's Coffee Chat. Every week we host Coffee Chat podcasts, which are available on any popular podcasting platform, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. We provide new content every Friday at 10 a.m., and we hope you'll enjoy this week's program. So today's topic is the Victorian era. So Nick, you had some great stuff to share with us, and then I thought I'd just sort of supplement it with some fun Victorian facts of my own. So what do you have for us, Nick? Okay, so just so people can know the time frame of the Victorian era, which is during the Queen Victorian reign, it ran from 1837 to 1901. And Queen Victoria did not have many, if at all, any friends growing up. All she had was her uncle, King First of Belgium, not the second, that's his son. His son's awful, look him up. But, so that she had her uncle as her friend and then she also had her cousin, Duchess Lazen. And there was this time where Duchess Lazen and Queen Victoria they were gossiping about this lady, like the title uh, form of a lady. And she was gaining a lot of weight in her stomach area. And they were just saying, oh, look at her. She's getting so fat. I bet she's pregnant. And it turned out that she actually had stomach cancer and she died from it. And the public hated Queen Victoria because of that and the only way she got herself out of that hole was that she threw her own cousin and friend Duchess Lazen under the bus and said that was all of her doing and so it led to her permanent exile in Germany she never got to return back to England So those are the hashtag frenemy goals of every frenemy in the world, correct? (laughs) I mean, pretty much, yeah. Gotta see that friend fail on a large scale. That is interesting. Also, didn't she live for a very long time? Was she long-lived? Yeah, she lived, like, I mean, she had like a 40 or 50 year reign, I'm... Let's see, how old I mean, was it's she? all subjective, subjective at this point because Queen, Queen Elizabeth, Elizabeth II, II yes, outlived she... everybody. But <laughs> I feel like she lived for a long time. She lived to be eighty-one. I mean, we have people that are running for president that old now. <laughs> all the characteristics, because there were some weird quirks about the Victorians. Now I know they had a reputation for being very uptight and proper and prudish but I will tell you what while I was getting my English degree I think I had a professor sit us all down and say look no Mm -hmm. the Victorians were actually a wild bunch they liked to put on a very respectable front 
but the literature of that time period and the behavior, it was not as straight-laced as people think. And then they did weird stuff, right, Nick? So you have something cool to share that I did. Oh, okay. So, Victorians were also very dramatic. Uh, we all think, don't they have, like, the original, like, swooning lady back yes. on the couch, a hand on her forehead, asking for her smelling salts? Or is that Southern, the smelling salt? I don't know. It's uh, Southern because uh, Aunt Pity Pat and uh, <laughs> Gone with the Wind. There we go. She was like, oh, I'm going to faint. Fetch <laughs> me my smelling salts. <laughs> okay, so going back to how overly the top Victorians were, they allegedly, it's never been confirmed, but they had these little vials that they had called tear catchers. And it was made from blown glass. And it was allegedly used in funerary ceremonies, processions, relationship contexts, and others. So they would really have this vial that they would fill, fill up with their tears for no reason at all. <laughs> Allegedly. For later. <laughs> For later, yeah. I like that you said relationship context because I'm pretty sure my husband and I could share some tear vials. <laughs> I've married a long time. But then they also had this extremely long grieving period for when a loved one pass passes. And I tried to emulate this because I, I was really curious to see how that went. So when my grandpa passed, I really tried to do the whole mourning process of the Victorian era. And I could only do it for almost a month. These people had to do a full mourning, which is all black, all day, every day can't do nothing for two years straight and then once that's over with then you go into half morning and then i want to say that there's like even like a quarter morning so it's a very long process like after just one month you're already over it like you are no longer sad like when you have to publicly display oh woe is me i am sad you are done <laughs> that is so interesting because you know when you read about it my thought has always been okay so you wear your black clothes what's the big deal so for you to have that perspective is so unique because it never occurred to me that it would be emotionally taxing but i can see what you mean and would you say maybe even more so back then because plenty of people might have thought you were just wearing black to be dramatic but back then you dressed people like knew everybody knew yeah someone mm -hmm. died so i wonder yeah they would make a deal because if you were ever gone with the wind they're like oh she can't do that she's in mourning like mm -hmm. you know she had to attend this party and watch everyone have while she dressed in black and she was not even allowed to dance 
you know, on her own. Like, she just really had to sit there and suffer. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine, you know, depending on the context, a lot of marriages were marriages of convenience. They didn't marry for love back Yeah, it was then. arranged, yeah. At times, I'm thinking people just didn't even know each other that well to be that sad for that long. Mm-hmm. But speaking of the clothing, um, that's another thing about the Victorian era that I always thought was interesting. So uh, people who are well-off in society or respectable, they dressed in pretty drab colors and pretty plain clothing, right? So Mm -hmm. they were pretty covered. Um, But, you know, the ladies of the night were an exception to that. And I've always been fascinated by them because during this time and throughout history, a lot of times, a woman was her father's property and then she got handed off to a husband and everything she owned was her father's and then it was her husband's and they had no autonomy. They had no place to go if they were in an abusive relationship if they did leave a husband a lot of times their children were not theirs they were considered their husband's property so if a woman chose to leave her home and you know nobody was enforcing if she was being abused or anything else she was choosing to leave her home and her children behind too So then you look at these ladies of the night and they get to own property. It's super interesting. They can have money, they can make money and keep what they buy from it. And a lot of times they got to dress in the more flamboyant and fun, colorful outfits. Now, it could be a good situation. There was a set of middle-class ladies a lot of time a big the husbands would visit them and eventually a lot of times they would eventually meet somebody and get married but these women could choose who they married they could say no and they could place conditions going into their marriage so in some ways yes they were at risk and i'll get into that in a minute But in some ways, they had a benefit. They were also considered business people. We just don't talk much about what that business was. (laughs) But they were actually considered a necessity. Men were considered very lecherous. And so wives a lot of times thought about these women in their neighborhoods as this necessary evil for their husbands interesting right Mm -hmm. so then we get into the vulnerability which a lot of people when they think the victorian era they think of jack the ripper Mm -hmm. and don't we love him is he not one of our favorite villains and killers in collective memory yeah and uh, what's interesting about that is that women during that time they also had this old wives tale that it's like the past version of 
you know how every Halloween you always hear that you need to check your children's candy because it's going to be poisoned. Mm -hmm. Nowhere has that ever happened, but we still are very like conscious about it, even though that has never happened. And so in the Victorian time, their version of that was that women who were walking by themselves in the middle of the night would be garroted by random strangers, which means they would get piano wire and strangle them. And to counteract that, Victorian women were notoriously, notoriously known for wearing those big fancy hats. And to keep those hats in your hair, you have to have this giant needle looking thing called a hat pin. And the hat pin was also a source of protection for the women that they could use to like stab their uh, garroters. And it was so much of a threat that they were talking about making hat pins illegal because men were so scared of the hat pin being used on them for, you know, either for possibly garroting or just, you know, looking at a woman a certain way and she felt a certain way about it and just decided to take her own, you know, means to her well, own Well, men, you'll be fine. Just don't make them mad. <laughs> so that's why we don't have big hats anymore. <laughs> that is so disappointing. I want to bring back the big hats. I loved them. So yeah, we talk about Jack the Ripper. Um, we know that at least five of these women were picked up late at night. They were working ladies. And they were murdered pretty brutally. Mm -hmm. So the thing we love about this is we don't know who did it. And there's been so much historical speculation. We've thrown out maybe it was royalty. Maybe it was someone off the street. And I feel like this is where we started considering kind of the mindset of a serial killer. So it's, it's really historically significant in that it was so violent and they wanted to know what happened. But I think that what it also shows is how vulnerable these women were. They sent police out, but they also said, well, you're on your own if you're up past a certain time. Nobody was really protecting them or saying that they had a right to be safe. They kind of said, well, you put yourself in those situations. That's going to be what happens. And you kind of deserve it for the job you have. But I mean, one of the things we're pointing out is that that job was an alternative sometimes to a life of abuse. So talk about no winning. Mm-hmm. I want to say that they've narrowed down who Jack the Ripper could have possibly been. Like, they think they might know who it was, but they can't yeah. really say, you know, oh, without a doubt, it's this person or this person. Yeah, I agree. I think I've heard that as well. And, of course, this happened so long ago, it also comes down to, well... 
so much time has passed, there's not really solid evidence. Yeah, you're left. going off of hearsay and no DNA, no, you know, pictures of any sort. Like, there's n nothing to really go off of. So. But doesn't that amaze you sometimes what we're capable of discerning with so little evidence and without mm -hmm. the scientific ability that we have now? Sometimes it blows my mind what they could figure out before they had all of that or computers or internet. They still got in there and figured things out. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. And that's it for this week. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our other podcasts and videos. More information can be found on our Facebook page at Lone Star College Tomball Community Library or search for our library at www.hcpl.net. We will see you next Friday at 10 a.m. Bye! Thank mm -hmm. you.